One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And welcome to another edition of the Work-Life Balance. You're listening to Rick Morris today on this Friday afternoon. Uh, really fun week, man. You know, uh, I just got back from uh, Houston, Texas yesterday. Got to go hang uh, with my buddy, David Pampolina. Uh, for those of you that follow us and, and follow the MMC stuff, uh, Damon's actually working on his own podcast. We went out, did a few recordings uh, to to bring together an episodic podcast that's coming out uh, with him. So that's going to be exciting. Uh, so it was in Houston all week. We're gearing up for the big event out in L.A. We're going to be out there at the Oscars with uh, Robert Hershefek, Johnny Depp, the Mickey Mouse Club crew. Uh, so we'll be out there the 6th through the 11th, I believe. So with the big event, uh, Soul Sunday, happening February 9th. And, of course, the uh, Oscars after party that's going to be going down um, with uh, with Damon as our DJ. So we're excited uh, about that. So let's jump into today's show. Uh, this gentleman started over five businesses, and his current brand, New Air, is growing with over 50 employees and a uh, multi eight-figure sales. Uh, he started that company as really a side hustle out of his garage and is now ranked as one of the fastest-growing private internet retailers in America for three consecutive years, according to Inc. Magazine. His newest venture is a new e-commerce service business at www.retailbrand.com or retailband.com, just to make sure. And he is the host of the Page One podcast, a twice-weekly podcast featuring a variety of guests and thought leaders on topics ranging from channel strategy, tariffs, influencer marketing, product launches, and details about how to grow e-commerce with big box retailers. We're going to bring him on right now. How are you doing, Mr. Luke Peters? Great, Rick. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, love the topic, and we um, kind of John Maxwell as well, so thanks for having me. Oh, outstanding. Yeah, so uh, obviously uh, we've got our big event coming up in March uh, with John. Um, but, um, so it's retail band. I, I, I inserted the R, correct? So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. so talk to us a little bit about retail band. What is it? How did you start it? Um, and, and why did you decide to start a business when you already had an existing business? Yeah, good question. I mean, with, um, so with new air, you know, I've been running this for a long time and through that time I learned a lot about digital marketing uh, because we're primarily selling online, um, to the consumer directly, but mostly actually through, you know, Home Depot, Amazon, Wayfair, Walmart, Lowe's. So, so it's all of this e-commerce and retail and uh, the whole um, ecosystem. And I, and I always had, you know, friends coming to me for questions or help because a lot of them are mainly in-store. So if you're thinking of consumer product brands, some of them are, you know, more focused on in-store and that's where a lot of the industry still is and they need, you know, help and assistance and guidance online. And so that's what Retail Band um, is doing. You know, we're a consultancy helping companies grow their digital sales, uh, digital strategy, uh, branding, influencer marketing, and uh, you know, even e-commerce development. So, and so and why I started, I mean, yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead, sir. Yeah, so, I, so just, you know, I had regretted not starting other agencies in the past. So, you know, just as I had known about advertising you know, from a long time ago and Amazon 
and SEO, and there's agencies for all of those disciplines. And I kind of kicked myself for not starting one. So I thought, well, you know what, I'm going to do it this time around because, uh, like, what we're offering is a complete solution that's not offered anywhere else. And, um, you know, thought I'd build an agency or consultancy around that, and it's, it's a lot of fun. And so when you talk about uh, the retail branding of, of uh, essentially the appliances, tell me a little bit about that business, how you got that started. Sure. And, and here, are you, here are you referring to the New Air brand or just like... Yeah, to the New Air brand. brand. Nope, to the New Air brand, yeah. Yeah, so with the New Air brand, you know, I graduated college and I was uh, working as a hazardous waste scientist and my little brother was selling stuff online, making a lot of money. And I'm driving an old truck, you know, an hour and a half to get to work up in L.A. And, um, you know, it just got me thinking, like, hey, what's, what's the Andy right here? And, he was, and uh, of course, this is right around 2002, 2001. So the Internet was still pretty new and um, like a lot of opportunity at that time. And, and so started the business selling products online as a retailer and selling other brands. And, but then along the way, quickly built um, our new era brand. And so that's been the focus, and especially the last five years, we've just been building the newer brand, uh, and we focus on compact appliances. So, you know, wine coolers, beverage coolers, ice makers, portable air conditioners, and heaters, and fans, and so products that, you know, make, make the inside the house and outside the house more enjoyable. So you also have six kids, correct? I do. I do, yeah. We have, um, so I have a 21-year-old daughter who just graduated college got a couple kids going to college and then um and then we have a big gap between that 12 year old who was the youngest and then we decided to have another one who was a three-year-old who's like the little baby with all the attention so um yeah we got a big big family big range of kids and, and you can remember all their names i i get all their names don't ask me <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm close. I, usually I can guess them. <laughs> Hopefully you use like a mnemonic device where it's, it's similar, you know, similar names in, in most of them, especially when uh, you get into four five I, and six. Got, yeah. Yeah. I got two in the same month. I'm like, okay, the older one's got the earlier birthday. <laughs> so how do you maintain a, a work-life balance? How do you build these brands, become a CEO, you know, of these brands? Um, but still make time for such a large family. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, um, I think it's, the thing is that I, there's definitely a couple schools of thought on that, and I actually think it's fun to bring the business into the family, you know, and have, you know, dinner conversations about it and have the kids read my book, you know, and, and um, they read a bunch of, you know, so I got my kids have read, like, you know, the Napoleon Hill books, and, I mean, on and on, like tons of my business books, They've read them, and, um, they, you know, I'll drag them in on the weekend. If I, if I have to get my wife a break, maybe, and I say I'm doing work, which sometimes I, you know, I got to do work on the weekend, and I can often work from home, but sometimes you know, I want to come down here, and I'll drag them in, and, you know, they can do homework or, you know, mess around in the house. But um, it, you do that, but then the other thing is, like, if you think of a typical 8-to-5 job, and, you know, there's traffic involved, so, you know, you're not getting home till 6 anyways, and then, okay, then there's time to hang out with the family, but what? A lot of families might do is they're still doing their own thing, you know, so it's really family time. So I think for us, you know, we don't really watch a lot of TV or I don't watch barely any. So, you know, when I'm home, you know, I'm shooting hoops with the kids or doing homework. And I think um, if, if you're focused like that, then, then it's definitely possible. 
And so what are the, what are some of the favorite activities that the family does kind of together? Okay. Yeah. I mean, we do everything together. So we're always taking you know, trips and vacations. So the favorite activity activities would definitely be sports, you know, and I've coached and I've even, you know, with the businesses, you just have to prioritize. So I've coached, I probably coached 20 teams along the way, you know, from soccer to softball to basketball. Um, I coached all of those different leagues, mostly a lot of soccer with, with all of the, with, with almost, yeah, with all the kids. So a lot of, a lot of sports, but then we do um, a lot of hiking, uh, some mountain biking. Um, some of the kids got really into that and um, just a lot of family events as well. So some travel, some road trips, the road trip in Utah with all the kids. Can you imagine that? Driving through a blizzard. <laughs> Basically, wow. I'll never do that one again. You know, some snowboarding. So, yeah, we're pretty active. We like to get outdoors. It's, a, it's driving with all the kids is typical Griswold uh, vacation, correct? <laughs> so. Yeah, I mean, it was, it, it, it was like that. It was, uh, well, it was, it was harrowing. It was um, just because it was a blizzard, you know. There's a funny story. Is, you know, we're driving. I mean, it was like, crazy blizzard it was the earlier in the year i think it was in um it was around thanksgiving um in you know, 2019 out in utah i mean the whole west coast got just uh, dumped on snow and so we we're going to the park city to ski um but we wanted to drive through vegas and spend the night there and so anyways when we're driving on the way back it was, you know i tell all the kids all right you know go to the bathroom and of course you know i got my one son who just never listened to me you know halfway through the through the drive and he's like yeah i gotta go and I just waited until that blizzard was, you know, dumping as hard as it could and then pull over on the side of the road. All right, get out there. <laughs> anyway, fun, fun, mo- fun moments like that that, uh, you know, that you remember. We were, uh, we were driving through Germany, uh, and I had uh, a nine-passenger van, had my 80-year-old in-laws and, and both my kids. My son was maybe five or six, and, and he did the same thing. He didn't get out, go to the restroom. And uh, we were actually on the trail that the Brothers Grimm had written all the, the uh, fairy tale stories. And it was spooky. It had like this weird mist in these cool trees. And so he goes out there, even had a little red coat on. And I just screamed, hey, son, wolf. Right. And he came tearing back to the, to the cars. <laughs> looked like little Red Riding Hood, man. It's one of our, yeah, so yeah. It, it's fun to do that. Now, I didn't want to gloss over this, but did I hear you say that, that you read with the kids Napoleon Hill? Yeah, well, no, the kids have read it. I've got like a little. I mean, I have a library here at work, by the way, too. So we just, I got all these books and and um, and I and just encourage people to take it. And I have the same thing at my house. So uh, yeah, I've got a ton of different. Yeah, of course, Think and Grow Rich, you know, the classic, but um, all kinds of other books as well uh, with Dale Carnegie and um, a bunch of other authors that kids, uh, especially my oldest daughter, has read every single one of them, and then the boys have uh, read a couple of them as well. Now, is it just one daughter and five boys? So two daughters. So I've got a yeah, twenty-one, and then uh, and an eighteen-year-old daughter going into college. Uh, so yeah, going to college, and then the rest are boys. So yeah. Wow. Um, definitely, everybody's got their got their varied interests, but all of them, everybody was a good reader. And you know, when they get to like fourteen, they kind of slack off a little bit because you know they got other things in their mind and they got a phone in their hand. But but um, then they kind of come back into it you know as i've seen with my oldest one yeah the think and grow rich is is been you know a life changer but um be i've I've never really dealt you know at a 12 13 14 year old age and having them read that book yeah i mean i'll i'll get audio like even even um the goal 
is the author. It's a really famous business book. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it's written in such a way that it's like you're on a road trip, actually. And we play, I played the goal, and the whole family was listening to it. And it's like a, it's a really famous book on like operational efficiency, but the way that it's set up as a story. And so you know, if you find the right book, and, and, and we are in the car for trips, you know, quite a bit. We'll go to you know, Big Sur, San Diego, and the desert, and the mountains. So, you know, there's good opportunities for, for the audiobook. Outstanding. Well, we're going to go ahead and take a break here. When we come back, though, we want to get into what are some of your tips for time management, uh, and then how, you know, we give it, even get into your view of, of the work-life balance. So we're going to do that right after a break. You're listening to the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to the Work-Life Balance. We're visiting with Luke Peters, who is the CEO and founder of New Air Appliances, as well as a new company, retailband.com. Uh, so, Luke, we were talking a little bit or teasing a little bit about uh, work-life balance, but what kind of tips do you have for time management to ensure that you're really focused on the right priorities? Yeah, and that's a great place. And, and time management is something I've been trying to improve, you know, and, and, and still, you know, everybody, we all struggle with it, with procrastination. But I would say um, what I've learned is that if you keep it real simple and um, – you just stick with your MIPs, which are your most important things, then that can make a world of difference. So a couple of things that I do along with that is, um, you know, I have various ways online of organizing the things, using things like Evernote, um, but any, any, any you know, cloud-based service like that where you capture your notes, and then I keep uh, different folders. So one might have my task list, but the most important one is the MIPs. And what I would encourage people to do is to, the problem with the task list is that you are kind of just like checking stuff off, but it's not always the most important thing. And um, 
I was recently at a, a really incredible conference, and uh, the speaker said that, you know, especially as business owners, we should be focusing on innovation, not optimization. And I mean, that, to me, if you always think about what that means, it's just huge, because too often we get stuck in the weeds on innovation. And so writing your um, MITs down will allow you to really put in your big ideas and say, hey, I, I need to move the needle on this this week, and not let those things um, just sit there while you're happily checking off to-do items. So it's, you know, harder to do because some, some of those big items um, stop us. You know, we don't want to get into them because we're like, oh, man, where do I even start? But um, I think that's kind of the genesis of everything, at least for me, that worked really well is, is MITs. And then the other thing about time management is that uh, it's, it's really okay not to do a lot of things in, in the sense that sometimes, you know, there's mail that's given to us and huge inboxes and all these requests. And magically, if you don't respond, somehow, you know, life keeps going. So I've, I've learned that as well, and, and that, that's been uh, super helpful um, as far as just, you know, thinking like in your mind, you have to realize you are actually never, ever going to actually be caught up. So then you got to kind of change how you think about that and just be okay with never being caught up and knowing that, um, you know, at, at a certain time, you just got to leave and, and you've done the best you can out there. So how about prioritizing within the business though, right? So there, there, there's an issue where, um, you know, one of the things I say from stage all the time is, um, that almost every company in the world has too many projects, not enough people to do them. How do you prioritize within your own business uh, your, your projects and, and time? Yeah, great question. So, and again, so we're learning what, what's been really good for us is implementing OKRs. And um, so that stands for objective and then key result. And, and there's a couple books on that. And uh, OKR is like a, something that's somewhat trendy now, and it was implemented by a lot of the big um, tech companies, and it's not a technical implementation. It's just a different way of thinking that your, that your objective should be really big. So that's a good way. If, so anyways, to start with, if everybody on the leadership team has OKRs, so let's say it's a team of 50, and you're able to get OKRs into 30 people, if you can go that far down in your company, better if you can go to everybody. And then my OKRs are viewable by everybody in the company, so the transparency. Uh, that creates a lot of magic because we have good communication. And then what happens to that process, you know, kind of to your question, is you can't, um, you're somewhat limited. So everybody comes up with their top three OKRs, so it's not a list of 30 things. And they should kind of, they could, cast, they could cascade down, or they could also be bottoms up. You don't want, in this process, you want your, the middle, man, middle management team needs to be creating their own OKRs. And then at that point, you work with them. So they kind of have that creative flexibility. And when they create it, they're having to think of their own resources that are needed so that you're hopefully, they're hopefully not being overloaded. So that should uh, you know, kind of address the question of how to come up with the right goals and then also to make sure that they actually can be accomplished because that then becomes a resource question. So, can can you say the three letters that you're 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 quoting there uh, slower for me? Oh. Yeah, sorry. So it's O K R. Yep. So it's objective for the O, and then K R stands for key results. And what that would mean is you would have, you know, some big objective. You know, we we, we want to um, you know, open up a a new account with Costco this year and sell five million dollars. And then the key result is going to be the list of items that it's going to take to achieve that objective. 
And the difference with OKRs is that usually your objective should be very hard to achieve, um, meaning in a lot of company goal planning, um, it's, there's a little bit of sandbagging going on. And here it's okay if you don't hit your OKR because it's a, it's, it's, it's a lofty goal, but maybe you want to get 70% to it. And um, so that's kind of the mindset that's put in place there. So have you heard of MBO, which is Management by Objectives? And if so, how is yep. OKR different? Exactly. So OKR is similar, but the reason OKR is different is because, number one, there's um, complete uh, transparency. So everybody at the company should know who every what everybody's goals are at the company, and it should be put out even on an org chart. It's usually MBOs. Sometimes they, it's like that, but oftentimes, like middle managers, stuff is not known by other middle managers, and, and so the, you, you, it can create a lack of uh, communication sometimes. And then the other thing about OKRs is um, I think MBOs traditionally are cascaded down from the top. They are, yeah. Good because, yeah, okay, so OKR often is uh, bottoms up sometimes. So you're going to have some cascade down, but then you're going to have middle managers coming up with their own ideas. And when people come up with their own ideas, they own them. And so there's a lot of value in that with uh, OKRs. It doesn't mean that there isn't a check and a balance. You know, ideas got to be approved and, and uh, signed off on. But I think um, OKR is supposed to you know, flatten things out a little bit. And then the final one is that the O, the objective, is going to be, again, a lot more aggressive than um, in the um, MBO format, where it's usually built into a budget and these are numbers that are kind of more achievable where the OKR is going to be an objective that's really difficult to achieve and it should push the team um, a little bit harder. So what about building your teams? What's, what's some of the more effective team building strategies as you've grown from just you know, two people to 50 people in, in this organization and becoming one of the best places to work uh, in Orange County there? Um, what focus in, in particular um, training and, and team building do you do with your team? Yeah, and we and think uh, we've worked a lot on that, and we were um, fortunate to win best places to work. We're one of the best places in Orange County, California, and um, a lot of things go into it. So I'll just I'll kind of rattle off a couple. So first is communication. Um, you know, you want to have. I think that's probably the most important one because it can take a lot of form. So with communication, what we've done is we you know, put in company newsletter and. Everywhere along, all of the things I'm going to say is, is there's an opportunity for the company to highlight um, the achievers within the company. So people, you know, we're saying thanks to people. Someone did a great job here. Someone did a great job here. And you're, you're saying that, say, you know, in the newsletter, and then we'll have company lunches, company events, sporting teams within the company, basketball games, softball teams, and um, all kinds of stuff. You know, Super Bowl lunch we had today. So that's, and then at those lunches, um, the whole team gets to speak. So we had, I think, about eight people speak at the lunch today. So, you know, someone from each department, and not necessarily the department head, could be um, somebody who, you know, hopefully were um, you know, grooming to move up in the company or someone with a, an opportunity within the company. And so when that happens, you know, people feel they have a voice in the company. I think that is, um, you know, empowering and gives them confidence as well. So communication, and, and we've done surveys, by the way, and that is like the number one problem still. So people always say, you know, we want more communication. I guess they want, they want to hear, you know, more of what the company is planning to do. 
And um, so from doing those internal surveys, you can find out, you know, what are areas that you need to improve on. And, uh, you know, we do a lot of other things like you know, gift giving and, and uh, work, work with some charities and, and big Christmas parties. And uh, so that's, you know, and then on the other part is hiring in really good people. So it all starts there, right? Uh, you got to hire in and, and, and hopefully, you know, pay for the best talent. And, and, and so part of our process is I always want to make sure that I'm hiring good leaders. I've learned that. Um, I made every mistake in the book, you know, along the way. So now um, humility is really, really important attribute that we look for. So you got to be humble, hungry, smart, but uh, humility is, is a big one because if people don't have humility, we like to have fun over here, you know, and, and if people have to be able to take a direct comment, you know, if something wasn't achieved or if we failed in something, we got to call it out. You know, we can't have our feelings hurt, um, me included, you know. So having humility and confidence when you get those individuals, um, they're, they're not um, taking things personal. They understand, you know, that we're here to, for some common goals and they work as a team and um, you know, it's a winning combination. So don't you think, though, that humility and that, that growth period starts from the top, starts with you in, in modeling be that behavior? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, but, you know, I mean, that's not, it also means I'm not there to go, you know, keep my own horn. So I just have to, you know, do it instead of say it. And, um, but, you know, it still wouldn't work if I didn't have, it does start with me, but I can tell you what, I've had, I'm not in everybody's department. You know, trying not to be a micromanager. I'm hiring great people to run these departments. And I've had it in the past, you know, where if that leader didn't have those attributes, um, they can, they, you know, there can be some poisonous conversations. And I'm not privy to those. So no matter what I do, things can be said or done in departments that, you know, because um, there's a lot of delegation and, and um, you know, we're honoring that you know, the team can do their job, but still, you still got to hire the right people and ensure that they still have the company's core values. So you said you had made almost every mistake in the book, but uh, what's one of those that kind of sticks out or becomes one of your favorite stories through the growth of this company? Um, wow. One of those, I mean, well, there, there's some funny ones early on about like um, shipping the wrong product to customers like in the early days and, um, or, or my wife, you know, she would, I, so when we started the business, we didn't have any inventory. We would literally get orders, okay, online. I would go, um, actually, I was working still. So I still a, a Hasway scientist. So I'd work at night, build the website. Orders would come in. My wife would have to go pick them up at Granger. And then um, by that time, UPS, they didn't want to pick up our, they wouldn't want to pick up from the house because it was too much work for them. It was like 30 orders, and they just thought it was a nuisance. So she was like driving around the city, tracking down a UPS vehicle to drop uh, the shipments off. And, and it, was, it was just, you know, probably not, you know, investing and growing quick enough at the beginning was, was a, a mistake. You know, because you, you know, you're just trying to, it's smart because, you know, you're not going, you know, at the beginning, you're not going in debt, and you're just kind of growing by the, you know, the speed of cash of what's coming in. But, you know, we probably lost some opportunity there at the beginning um, and probably could have grown a lot quicker. And then, and we were growing quick. We are like you know, doubling every year, but it probably could have been even more. And then uh, more recently, you know, we have this 
you're dealing with a tariff, and it's really painful. And um, candidly, like the biggest mistake is not putting in a pricing-free flicker. Uh, it's, it's just, it just isn't good for us because we should have done it. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure from the partners you're working with. But the thing is, you know, we're the ones who are paying the tariff, not them. And uh, so that is definitely uh, a, a mistake, you know, that, that it's been resolved. So coming back to, to the work-life balance portion of this, um, you said you had a little bit of a different view than, than most people. Care to, care to share that with the audience? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, um, I think that, like, I think it's kind of a dream and a good one, you know, that we want to have a balance. But I think it's very hard to plan that every single day. And I think it's okay to have, you know, your work go into your personal life. Because that is your per- That is who you are. You know, if you're an entrepreneur, I mean, that, that's who you are. And um, when you own that business, you have that responsibility. You know, it's, it's, a, it's an asset of yours and there's a team. And, um, and it's fun. So I don't think there's, I think it's okay, you know, for that to come home. I think there's certain things that can be avoided, you know, like, cell phones and social media and all of that stuff. And so my view is just that I think entrepreneurs should embrace it, you know, bring it into the family, uh, get the kids involved, have them come into work if they want to, or, you know, take them on business trips. Like this year, I went to a couple of, I think I went to three different conferences with the kids in 2019. And then I've got, um, here in 2020, I've got, you know, daughter, there's a school in San Diego and just graduated and there's a conference out there and, and um, so I'm driving down to San Diego going to it and she's going to it. So that's fun for me and I think most business owners see it that way but um, so I don't think it's like a revolutionary idea um, but I think it can go against the grain of you know because there, there was a time when grinding and working you know, 80 hours a week just a couple of years ago was kind of praised you know, and kind of like falling off and and um which I agree with, you know, you, you, the businesses there should be to serve you, not for you to serve the business. So, um, but I still think it's okay to miss it and not be uh, so afraid of, um, you know, sending a couple of emails, you know, later at night or, or early in the morning. But so, I mean, if you're, if you're following your purpose though, right, in, in living that purpose, then it doesn't really, you know, it's, there's not that separation so much between work and life. If, if you, if you love what you do and everybody's involved, um, it's not just about bringing the family to the office or, or, or doing a conference or something of that sort. It's, it's the fact that it's, um, there's really no line between work and life. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, there, there is, there, there's a line. I'm just saying it gets blurred. Um, but yeah, definitely fair to say, but like you said, it's, you know, it's, when it's your purpose and it's fun, then, um, you know, it's, it, it's still, it, it works that way. It's it. Fits. Yeah, I, I've noticed that the, the more and more I get into coaching and, and entertainment world and those areas where, uh, you know, for instance, we I was a producer of a, a huge event that we did uh, back in May, um, but it encompassed all the things that my daughter loves to do. And, and I don't think she ever really understood what I did for a living until I brought her to that event. So that, that was a big breakthrough for us in, in terms of sharing and understanding and, and seeing what dad does when he leaves. And, and super valuable, you know, now you have another connection with her and, and then kids, you know, they, they, they'll look up to that and she'll remember that later in life and, um, you know, could help, you know, help her make decisions on what she wants to do. So 
That's that's what I like about it. And I take the kids and I and I tell them that listen, you know, you, you're all going to go to college, and college is good and everything, but college trains you to get a job, and there's and there's great jobs out there. You know, doctors are helping people in a way that I never could. So so all of these professions are great, but at the same time, it's that a job isn't the only option. And so you know, this this is how business works. And if you come to these events, if the kids come with me, they get to kind of see how how people interact and how it's engaging and fun and there's a lot of conversation and that's just kind of how business is done and and um, the th- crazy thing is you don't learn that in school and they don't you know, kids, kids don't learn how to manage money in school or what an asset is and there's all of these lessons that are never ever taught so um, that's where business can really help I think. I couldn't agree more so we're going to take a break right here we're going to be right back with Luke Peters you're listening to Rick Morris on the work-life balance. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to the Work-Life Balance on this Friday afternoon, visiting with Luke Peters as we were talking about Work-Life Balance. We're talking about, uh, you know, bringing business in, in, into fruition, talked about his uh, organization's uh, New Era Appliance and Retail Band. Uh, but uh, really, uh, we, we always like to ask this question of all of our, gifts, uh, all of our guests, Luke, and that's uh, what's some of the best advice you've ever received? Yeah, and it's a great question, Rick. And, and I, I did kind of leak it earlier in the interview, but I'll, I'll repeat because I just think it's, it's incredible. And it is just from a conference I was just recently at, a really small, tight one. And um, the speaker is really a great investor. And so his, his advice and his take was that business owners need to innovate and stop optimizing. And um, I'll, I'll get more into it. Like what he meant is, you know, if we're over there just optimizing all day long, increasing secure rate or conversion rate or making something a little bit better, that's good. And, and by the way, I still do it because I, I have fun doing that stuff. But when you innovate, you make 
like that, that's where the massive changes in the company come from. And that's where the um, massive you know, profits and, and revenue are going to come from. And so a couple of examples, um, he really just changed how I even think about everything. He's, he's saying, like, this particular speaker uh, doesn't, I mean, from what I know, doesn't invest in stocks because he just buys businesses. Literally, he owns his own stocks. But, and it, his whole thing was that companies should be doing that, too. You know, that should be what the, the uh, CEO or, or the um, shareholder of the company should be spending their time on. And um, it really resonated. It made me challenged me. It changed my MITs that I spoke about earlier, my most important things. And, and um, um, that, that was just great advice, I thought. Now, and uh, I'm going to dive in on that innovation for a little bit here. One of the biggest frustrations I get or I hear all the time in organizations is, well, that's just the way it's always been done here. And you have those organizations yeah. that are kind of afraid to try, afraid to, to jump out of, of a different direction just because they're so um, used to working in a, in a certain way. And, and change is really hard for an organization. How have you managed that? or continue to try to continue to innovate within your organization? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. And the thing is, I'm, I'm like a very fast-paced person, so I get bored quickly, and, it's, and people really got to be fast to keep up. And um, otherwise, I, I'll just like do it myself, you know, and I'm, because um, that's just the way I operate. But it's, it's a good question because at our company, so even without massive innovations, there's been – Every year, this big one. So we just changed ERP, and ERP is a system that you run your whole business on. So we changed last year, and that's a, uh, I mean, that just uproots the whole company. Everything has to be redone within the company, from accounting to operations to sales. And um, you know, the best way to your question to get people on board with that is to include them in the process. So, for example, when you put in, when you're doing something that big. You're going to need leaders within the company to, to actually execute. You know, I can I can come up with a vision, and then Ops is, is going to come up with you know and going to help implement. But really, to execute it and test it, um, you're going to need everybody in the company. And so I think when you um, include more people in the decision-making process, so in this case, when the consultants are here and we're including more of the team in there, and then in all the communication with the company, everybody understands why we're doing something. Uh, you get more buy-in. Now, you're still going to get pushback, but, you know, um, sometimes you find out, like, if your team needs to be agile, they just need to be agile, and if they're not, then sometimes, you know, it's maybe not the right person on the team. But usually communication can solve that problem. So how do you, though, um, how do you keep yourself, other than being bored, right? It, it, that we call that the high-I personality. We have ADD syndrome, right? But, but do, do yep. you have like a, a quarterly review for, for innovative processes? How do you reward your employees for finding innovations? Yeah, it's a good question. So we're always, you know, there's always like different awards and feedback given to the team. I mean, even, even if it's verbal, you know, if, you, if, if, if companies are not already, you know, giving feedback in front of their peers to your team is uh, – I mean, it's priceless. Like that's that's needed, especially with the younger generation. But with every generation, like everybody wants to feel like what they've done is being appreciated. So that's one way. And then and then we'll definitely have some awards that we hand out, and especially at your end, tons of awards. And and uh, last year we went to um, quarterly bonuses. So 
those OKRs that I talked about earlier, um, in those OKRs are goals that are being achieved and there's innovation in there. Some of them are really hard goals. And so those um, you know, people are getting paid for achieving their OKRs on a quarterly basis. Makes it a little bit more timely than having to wait till the end of the year and a little more tangible and um, you know, more closely tied to the activity that was accomplished. So, um, talking about retail band for for a second, what do you, where do you see that going in the next five years? What is your vision and goals for that organization? Yeah, so retail band, it's been a lot of fun. I'm, I'm talking to a lot of entrepreneurs. I'm really not even fairly seeing any sales. I'm, I'm just on podcasts and a couple small little talks that I'm giving, and, and uh, the feedback has been great. And I think what I learned at the beginning was, you know, what's needed is not necessarily what I thought was needed. So I think what's going to happen over the next five years is our, um, our service uh, is going to go a little wider. We're going to help out in more areas because as I work with companies, a lot of them don't really – understand uh, direct consumer sales. They don't they need help with their websites, which wasn't an area that I initially thought that I would be working in. And they really need help in their strategy. So, uh, you know, along with the influencer marketing that we're doing and, and then running their account. So literally somebody, if somebody has a product and they're selling that product only on Amazon, we can take it and help sell it all the way through uh, Home Depot, Walmart, Facebook, like all these other channels. But then we can also help them on their direct consumer site. Then we can help them with the reviews. Then we can help them with influencer marketing. So we want to cover everything digital for a brand and help their branding and trust. And so that's um, where we're helping them going. And how do people find you and your organization, Luke? Yeah, they can find me on LinkedIn, uh, Luke Peters, and easy to find there. And also, you know me at Luke at retailband.com, and um, we do free assessments. So we have what's called a, a the star index, and we can look at, literally look at and rate against your peers, your company's strategy and your assets and your uh, reviews and, and your trust, so super trust, and meaning like what are third parties saying about your brand? And if they're not saying anything, which is what we see with most brands, um, then you know, you're losing a lot of uh, you know, product education. People aren't seeing you at the top of the funnel. They just see you at the bottom of the funnel on Amazon, and so you're losing huge opportunities. So we can run, you know, run Star Index and, and uh, evaluate and, and then take it from there and help you grow your digital sales. Now, is that index something that your organization's created or something you leverage? No, it's not proprietary that, that we created because we looked at what we had used to grow Newware. And Newware is the leader in our category for online sales. And um, look at what, like, for example, our um, Instagram page for Newware has got you know, about 24,000, I think, um, which is, isn't as big as, obviously, celebrities, but for an appliance brand. Like, you know, we have, like, a fun identity. We have beautiful imagery. And we're bigger than almost every other appliance brand out there. Even I mean, the brands that are much bigger than us have smaller social following. So I think from a branding perspective, um, we use this star index already at New Air. And so I kind of rolled that out for retail band and um, just kind of made it more process oriented and visualized it so that other business owners can have something more tangible than say a consultant coming in there and telling them, you know, five different things that don't make sense. Instead with the star index, 
I put it all together. You get ratings on all of these categories. And you come away, and I know how you know, CEOs think. They need something tangible that's visual that they can see and understand, and they can exactly tie that to a performance improvement. And so that's what we've done with the Star Index. And so, how, so again, you say there's a free assessment. Do I provide you who my competition is? Do, do you kind of find that out via the web? How does that piece work? Good question. Yeah, so we'll do, all, we'll do everything for you. Because you know, it's, it's free, and so obviously you're not going to have to invest your time in providing that information. You could, you know, companies can, and then we'll it can be a little bit quicker. But we'll go do that for you, and then we present the findings. And then, you know, once um, you know we're on board with the company, then with more data, we're able to provide even a deeper evaluation with actual um, suggestions and strategies to help grow their digital business. And so on your website, you talk about our, our com- commerce, our commerce. I'm not familiar with that. Can you, can you explain that just a little bit? Sure. Yeah, and there's a few names. It could be e-commerce or, or e-retail, I mean. So sometimes it's called e-retail. But what our commerce is, is think of, think of the online ecosystem. So everybody just thinks of Amazon. And if you do that, it's dangerous. You know, because Amazon isn't there to help you. you know, they're there to serve the customers. And um, you, people have a hard time building brands on Amazon if that's all they're doing. So our commerce means there's all this other stuff besides Amazon. There's retail. So R stands for retail. So retail commerce. So you have you know, the Wayfarers and Home Depots and Lowe's and Targets and Kohl's and Walmart of the world. And sometimes, though, they're harder to sell to than Amazon. See, they're not a digital-first company. So their platforms are a little more difficult to sell to. And, but we're experts in those areas. So what we do is we can help companies um, grow their footprint in all of those retailers. And what that does is it diversifies your business. So then you're not just 100% you know, an Amazon business. And Amazon's a great company, but you know, it's, it's dangerous when you leverage that much. So there's, if you think of the online ecosystem, you've got Amazon, which is obviously you have to be there. You've got your own website, your direct-to-consumer. And a lot of companies have given up on that, but they should not. Absolutely should not. You have to own your customer. You've got some of the marketplaces, like the eBay's of the world, which are still can be good destinations. And then you have what we call the R-Commerce, which is all of those other um, websites that have gotten very strong over the last couple of years and are definitely worth um, participating in. So... You were talking about the amount of followers you had on social media and those strategies. Have you been able to really uh, monetize a platform like Instagram? There's a lot of people that are saying, you know, Instagram is, is where you need to go. Uh, have you seen some direct sales come from that, that platform? You know what? For our business, where we've seen a lot of direct sales is monetizing YouTube. So Instagram is there for different purposes. It's there for branding. It's there for also engaging with customers because you can um, – you know, run, you can basically run different or series through your Instagram audience to get um, feedback in, on new product development or colors or innovations on products and suggestions. So it's really great for that. And, and we definitely try to be very, um, I mean, we try to just produce the best imagery and stay on track with Instagram. So we don't go outside of a couple of categories. So Instagram, I would say, is not one that we uh, monetize from a sales standpoint, but definitely from a branding standpoint. And you would be surprised even from a recruiting standpoint. Okay? People are looking 
besides going to Glassdoor, they're looking at your brand. They're going to Instagram. They're kind of getting an idea for the company's culture. Um, we say it all the time when I interview people. So, uh, yeah, you have to think of all these things because, you know, the work of talent and getting the best people is uh, it's, it's important. Now, quickly, YouTube, though, we definitely um, have monetized. And that's where we run our influencer programs, by the way. So we, we like the YouTube channel. It's a little different than Instagram. Um, I come from an SEO background, and I like the fact that YouTube is a little bit more evergreen. That video is going to be showing for a long time. It's going to fit you from SEO. YouTube is the number two search engine in the world. Um, behind uh, Google and uh, ahead of Amazon. And so, you know, if you go in there and have a good strategy and work with the right influences, you could, you know, dominate a certain keyword or key phrase that is important to the brand on YouTube. And then you can, with, uh, you know, working with influencers, they can drive traffic right to your page, and, and obviously all of that can be tracked, and you can understand, you know, what your um, – Sales mixes coming from YouTube per se, organic or direct traffic. And do you have any final words for the audience? Uh, final words are that if you're thinking of starting a business, you should. If you're thinking of starting a podcast, you should. <laughs> Both are fun. And uh, I, I, if anybody wants any help on either of those things, feel free to reach out to me. Um, really enjoy talking about these things and helping people. Well, Luke, we appreciate you uh, hanging out with us on a Friday afternoon here, and uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode of the Work-Life Balance. Now, next week, I'm not going to be live. We're actually going to be out at the Oscars, uh, be in L.A. from the, the 6th through the 11th, uh, working through that. But uh, if you're out in L.A., come see us uh, during the uh, City Summit and City Galas uh, out there. We've got a lot of fantastic events. Uh, but we'll be back uh, on the 14th. Uh, it'll be Valentine's Day. We'll come, uh, we'll come hang out with you guys on Valentine's Day. Until then, uh, we hope that you live your own work-life balance. You've been listening to Rick Morris on the Work-Life Balance. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show. again.